Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. First Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 8. If I speak in human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Join me in prayer. God, we thank you so much for what you've already done already this morning. As we come together to worship you, and to seek after you, God. Lord, we thank you for your great love for us. I thank you that we are your children, and that your love for us is unfailing and unending. This morning, God, as we open up your word together, uh, we know that your word has power, that your word can change us. So, God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would just move among us, God. Remind us of the truth and your call to us to love one another. And, God, we ask that you would do wonderful things in our midst this morning. That you would send us out into this world as people of love. We we thank you, God, for what you're going to do in advance. And we pray this in the great name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I I don't know about you, but there are times when I get a a song stuck in my head. And it'll it'll hang with me for a few weeks, and I'll just, you know, sing it from time to time. And as I was preparing for this message, the song that was in my head, as Yvonne could testify to, is, What the world needs now is love. And it's an oldie, I think 1964 it was written. And I would sing it for you, but then we would go to a place that we would never recover from. So I'm going to spare us from that. But here's some of the lyrics. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. No, not just for some, but for everyone. It's so fascinating to me that the world we live in is not in the dark about our desperate need for love as human beings. 
It's all over the music and the movies. Needing love is not some mysterious spiritual secret. It's something we intuitively understand and recognize in our humanity. Each one of us longs to be loved. And we're in a desperate search for it. And I think most of us know the world's understanding of love is seriously misguided and twisted. The economy of love in our world continues to plummet because we're missing the whole point of it all. Love, according to the world, is about what is best for me. I'll stick with this relationship if, it, if it's not hurting me too much, if I'm receiving the benefits I feel like I deserve. Love has become all about self-interest and self-pleasure. And when I think about this twisted view of love in our society, I can't help, help but think of the recent wedding of Kim Kardashian and Chris Humphreys. And we laugh, and I think, and I understand why we laugh. And I, I don't share this to really poke fun at them, because this is really sad, and it's very tragic. But this story is happening time and time again. There was so much hoopla and drama to their wedding. It was labeled as a fairy tale wedding. In fact, uh, the Channel E that was covering their wedding called it Kim's fairy tale, fairy tale wedding, which tells you something right there. I believe $10 million went into the wedding event itself. And after 72 days of marriage, Kim Kardashian decides to call it quits. Love in our culture has become, if it feels good, I'll go with it. But if there's anything I don't like, I am out of here. So then what is love? How would we define it? Our community group has been studying together a book by John Orberg called Everybody's Normal Till You Get to Know Them. It's a great book on building community. And in one of his chapters, he uses a phrase as he's talking about community. And I want to modify it slightly to put language to what love is. Here's the definition I want to offer us this morning. Love is a rational commitment to the well-being of another. Love is a rational commitment to the well-being of another person. Rational commitment, it doesn't always make sense. It's not always logical. And it's a commitment not just to someone, but to the well-being of the other person. It's a crazy, radical devotion that does what is best for the other. And this is in contrast to what our culture teaches us about putting oneself at the center of love and doing what is best for number one. Love defers the focus from yourself to the other person. And since love is about the other, it will always cost you something. It requires that you extend yourself outward beyond your own little world. It will not always be convenient. When I think about this irrational commitment to the well-being of someone else, I can't help but think of Star Wars underwear. Yes, you heard me correctly, Star Wars underwear. And here's, here's the story behind this. Uh, back in August, just before Joshua started kindergarten, Yvonne bought him brand new underpants, and he's into Star Wars, so we got him Star Wars underwear. 
And like any kid, he wanted to wear the underwear right away. But we told him, you gotta have, you're going to have to wait till the first day of school. So the first day of school comes, and he was so excited to finally get suited up in his Star Wars underwear. I think that was the most important thing to that day for him. And the next day, he had a friend over to come and play and to join us for dinner. And they were playing downstairs, and a few minutes later, we hear the news that his friend had an accident in his pants. And I'm pretty sympathetic to this because this happened a lot to me when I was younger. Uh, So I can relate. You know, kids have accidents in their pants. So that wasn't surprising. But what happened next was a shocker to us. Without being prompted or told to do it, Joshua went to his room and got out of his dresser one of his brand new Star Wars underwear that he hadn't worn yet. I want to clarify that. (laughs) And he gave them to his friend to wear. And he has lots of other underwear. He has cars and Batman. He didn't choose that. He chose the Star Wars underwear. And our son is far from perfect. I could tell you story after story where he doesn't do stuff like this. But this is one of those moments where you sit back and you just thank God for irrational commitment, doing what does not make sense for the well-being of someone else, to seek after their best interest. So keep this definition in mind as we dive into 1 Corinthians 13. This is one of the most famous passages in all of Scripture, probably because if you go to a wedding, you're most likely going to hear 1 Corinthians 13. And yet it's important for us to understand that Paul's not giving a wedding message here. He's not speaking to a couple. He is writing to a church, the church of Corinth, who is broken and struggling, and they need to hear about the importance of love in their community. Corinth was one of the wealthiest and most influential cities in the Roman world at the time. It was a port city, so it was a key place for trade between the east and the west. Because it was a trade city, there were a lot of foreigners coming into town. And Corinth was known for its rampant immorality. It was the ancient version of Sin City. What happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. It's also important to understand that in Corinth resided one of the temples of Aphrodite, the Greek goddess of love. The worship of Aphrodite was one of the key markings of the religious culture in Corinth. And similar to us today, there was a twisted view of love centered on sensual pleasure. Historians estimate that up to a thousand prostitutes worked at the temple of Aphrodite. And people would go there to worship and engage in magic and sexual perversion as part of their religious experience. But amidst the darkness of this city, the grace of God invades a group of people. And the gospel moves in power as a church is formed. And Paul spends about a year and a half pouring himself in to this church. And then he takes off and he hears news that the church is struggling. Struggling to be any different than the culture it lives in. Issues like sexual immorality, lawsuits among believers, factions, spiritual disorder, and chaos. In the midst of this mess, Paul writes this beautiful, poetic word on love. 
calling the church back to the supreme value of their lives together as believers in Christ. In this passage, I want us to look at kind of three key things about love for us as a community of believers today. The first one is love is essential. Verses 1 through 3, If I speak in human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Paul is continuing his train of thought from the previous chapter on the spiritual gifts and showing how you can do all these great things, but without love as the driving motivation, it is all meaningless. You can speak in angelic tongues, but without love, it is just annoying noise. You can have gifts in knowledge and revelation and great faith, but without love, it is for naught. You can suffer for the poor and for spiritual causes and not have love, and it really doesn't make a difference. We can do all these things that look so good on the outside, but if there's not love behind it, it misses what God really wants. And God knows the true condition of our hearts. He knows our motives. And he wants our hearts to reflect his heart. And for our motives and our actions to have alignment and agreement, integrity. And I think today in our Christian culture, there are similar things that we can pursue or esteem, but devoid of love has a certain emptiness or staleness to it. You can read and memorize the Bible and devote yourself to gaining knowledge from the word of God. But if you aren't doing what it says and living a life of love, it's just hollow accumulation of information, kind of like Wikipedia. You can be lights out in how you serve in the church or serve the poor, but if love is not part of your service, it's being done for yourself. It's just a show for you. You can come to service and sing your heart out to God in praise. In the other 167 hours of the week, live a life that doesn't align with what you're singing. It is for naught. Love is essential in our motives, our hearts matter before God. And I think that this needs to give us pause, that we honestly need to look at our lives from within, not just at the outward life, and really evaluate what's going on in our hearts. Is growing in a rational commitment to the well-being of others something that God is doing in our hearts today? Or are we just living lives on the treadmill of activity without a growing care for other people? Love is essential. Love is also intentional. These great words that Paul writes, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. 
like getting in shape, cultivating a life of love, building a community of love, isn't going to just happen. It requires devotion, commitment, a sense of intentionality. In the original languages, these verses of the descriptors of love are actually verbs, even though the English translation doesn't reflect this. So since they're verbs, there's a sense of action here. Love is not just a static emotion, but it comes from the heart and moves outward toward the other. And it leads us to action and pursuit, a sense of intentionality. And I want to just dig in and just take a deeper look at the first two qualities of love that Paul writes about here in verse 4 and how these lead us to be intentional in our relationships. The first one is love is patient. I don't know if there's a more challenging aspect of love than this one given the climate of our culture. We live in an era that's all about the now. It's about how fast and efficient how instantaneous we can get something. Like when I'm at the store grocery shopping, and if I'm in a hurry, I'm thinking, what is the most efficient way to get out of here? And I survey the lines, see how many many people are in each line. And I take the next step, how much stuff does each person have? And the final step is the cashier checking them out. How old are they? (laughs) I'll admit, (laughs) how fast are they? How talkative are they? We can be all about speed and efficiency. But a life of love is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And patience has a long-term view of relationships. Patience really means long-suffering. It's the quality of love that allows you to endure negativity to have a long temper rather than a short fuse, to allow people to fail without jumping on them too quickly. Let's be honest, in any relationship, you're going to hit rough spots. You're going to hit difficulties and tension. This should not surprise any of us, whether it's marriage, a friendship, a small group. The question is, how do you respond to these moments of difficulty? Are you able to live a life of patience, a life of long-suffering with other people? And patience doesn't look at your own suffering, but it looks at what's going on in the other person. What is God doing in them? It flows out of a heart that cares for the other and their well-being more than the pain and suffering that you are experiencing. An example of a patience for me is our, you know, we recently moved and uh, we bought a house that didn't have a washer or dryer. And so Yvonne was on this quest, this was a big deal, to, to purchase a washer and dryer that would serve our family for the long run. And she did a lot of research, a lot of talking to other people, and she picked out the machines that she was really happy with. Unfortunately, my wife has watched her brand new machine suffer from my folly. Not just one time, not just twice, but three times. Uh, This past week, I left a pair of earbuds in my hooded sweatshirt. They made it through both the wash and the dryer. They did not survive, but it didn't damage the machines, fortunately. Two weeks prior, I left a pen in my pants. That's not good. 
leaving a pen. And there were ink stains on some of our clothes. But a couple months ago was the worst. I left a pack of gum in my jeans. And uh, it somehow got out of the jeans and into the rest of the laundry. And again, it made it through the washer and the dryer. And Yvonne brought me downstairs in this kind of moment of horror. Just looking at our dryer covered with gum stains everywhere. I felt so horrible and ended up cleaning the whole dryer. And I think it looks pretty good, right, honey? It looks pretty, pretty good. But I mean, that's an example of patience, long suffering, not just once, not just twice, three times. And I'm happy to report that Yvonne and I are still happily married. Right? I, th- I think, right? Yes. Yeah, so. You know, I mean, that's just a, kind of a silly story. And I, I think the reality is a lot of us have a lot of pain from our relationships, whether it's our family growing up or friendships or marriage. We need to be reminded the call of God to us to be patient people is this attitude of long suffering. Irrational commitment, being devoted to the other despite your pain, to seek what's best for the other person and not yourself. And I think the opportunities to grow in patience are endless. If you just go throughout your week, this upcoming week, and look at your relationships, I did this the last few days, I mean, the opportunities to grow in patience are there. But we're so quick to respond to people. If you commute to work and you get stuck in traffic, there's a great opportunity for you to grow in patience and say, God, teach me in this moment that I do not like to be a long sufferer. And I think we can even get more intentional than that. When you go to the grocery store, I'm going to hopefully do this the next time since I'm asking you to consider doing it. Choose the longest line and tell God, God, I'm doing this as an act of I want to grow Impatience. And if you have kids at home, you have moments every you know, hour to grow in patience. Another building block of love that requires intentionality is kindness. And this picture was so cute. I could not turn it down. Where patience tends to be more of a reactive aspect of love, kindness requires us to take the initiative to be proactive with how we treat others. And kindness is more than just being a nice person. There's a lot of nice people out there. But being intentional with kindness involves getting out of the ordinary, the expected, going above and beyond. It requires an extending of yourself that will cost you something. It will demand effort and time and thoughtfulness. Remember, this is about what is best for the well-being of the other, not just what makes you feel good when you do it. So I think it's important to understand our relationships. How do people receive love? At our community group retreat last month, we spent one of our sessions talking about our love languages. Um, And love languages are are how we are wired by, by God to best receive love. And it was so helpful from me, like a guy like Scott Choi, big guy, his love language is touch. I would have never guessed that whatsoever. Sorry, Scott, for that. But there, there's five main love languages. How many of you guys have heard or you know your love language already? 
Not th- that many. Okay, so we're, I'm just going to run through them very quickly because I think these are really important. If we really want to love one another, to know how the other person receives love. The first one is words of affirmation. For this person, actions don't always speak louder than words. If this is your love language, unsolicited comments mean the world to you. And hearing words of encouragement or getting a note really makes a difference in your life. The second one is quality time. For this type of person, nothing says I love you more than full, undivided attention. Being truly present and attentive with the other person during those extended times makes them feel special and valued. The third one is gifts. And don't mistake this love language for materialism. These people aren't greedy people. Well, they might be, but it's not always the case. The receiver of gifts thrives on the love, thoughtfulness, and effort behind the gift. It isn't the gift itself, but the creativity and sacrifice that goes into making or purchasing the gift. The fourth one is acts of service. Anything that you can do to ease the burden of responsibility weighing on this person speaks volumes to them. They want to hear the words, let me do that for you, or how can I help you? The last one is physical touch. This language isn't necessarily about romance. I mean, it's hugs, pats on the back, holding hands, thoughtful touches. There are all ways that you can show that you care or are concerned for the other person. So I want to do, I know that was fast, but I want to do a quick survey and have you raise your hand for what your primary love language is. And if you're sitting next to your spouse right now, you might want to pay attention. So how many people have words of affirmation? That's me right here. Okay, there's a few of us. What about quality time? A few more. How about gifts? How about acts of service? The last one's physical touch. Okay. This is online. If you just Google five love languages, you can read more about it. One thing I want to say is it's not always the case, but often we give love in the manner that we want to receive it. So example, my primary love language is words, and that's probably the easiest way for me to express love to another person. But Yvonne's love language is quality time. So I can be offering up words to her and words of affection and think, man, I'm such a great husband, look at me. But it's not hitting her sweet spot whatsoever. So if we want to be intentional with kindness in a love language, we got to think through how does the other person receive love best? What's the best for their well-being? Love is intentional. It's going to require you to to put effort, uh, to be proactive, to pursue another person. And so I just want you to think for a second, who in your life might God be calling you? to be more intentional with. Uh, This week to, uh, you know, be a better example of God's patience to them. Uh, To suffer through the things they're doing that you don't like. And to really think through how can I really serve and love them. Or maybe doing special, something special for that person. Being proactive with an act of kindness. We need to get more intentional 
with how we're loving other people. The last point is love endures. Now, these great words in verse 7 and 8. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Paul comes full circle here from the first three verses. He talks about how there's, there, there's all these other things that we can pursue that will eventually fade away. But love will stand the test of time. There's an enduring and lasting quality to love. Paul repeatedly uses always here. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And then he sums it up. Love never fails. Love will never fail. In the crescendo of these two verses, I can't help but remind us that love endures and stands the test of time because this irrational commitment for the well-being of someone else starts with our God. The source of all love is our great God who is irrationally committed to us and our well-being. We can't love apart from being anchored and rooted in the God who is love. It's our God who's extravagant in his patience and kindness. It's his love that will never fail. When we, his people, experience his love for us, and then act as vessels of his patient, loving kindness to others, we will see the transformative power of God in our midst. The love of God working in the lives of people makes a difference that endures, that stands the test of time because love changes people. Shortly after we were married, Yvonne and I were leading a small group within our church. And we were a very open group that was kind of welcoming anybody in. It was something I was very proud of our group. We were very inclusive. One of the guys who joined our group was someone who was really rough around the edges. When he first came, you could tell that he struggled to fit in. But he was desperate, like each one of us is, to belong, and to be part of a loving community. I remember many moments I have to pull him aside and, and say, dude, what you just did was not good. It happened repeatedly. But we accepted him. We loved him. And God began to get a hold of his life and to truly change him. Our, our small group went on a mission trip to Costa Rica, and this guy joined us. And God put in him a passion to serve and a passion for global missions. He got connected with YWAM and for a season was serving as a missionary in Indonesia. But I think about where he was when he first came to our group and what God did in his life as he was accepted by a loving community. I mean, I was blown away by the power of God working through a loving community. The love of God flowing through the love of people transforms and changes people. And this is what God is after. He's building a loving, inclusive community with himself at the center as the chief lover. 
And he wants us to live lives of rational commitment to the well-being of others so that we may know and experience together the deep and true love of God through his son, Jesus Christ. This love doesn't have to be earned. It accepts people where they're at as broken, fallen, desperate people who need to find their identity rooted in God's love for them. And I'm so thankful that our loving community around the world of Christ followers, with Christ as king, will endure the test of time. That we will be together forever. And man, I love our church. I've only been here a year, but I look around the room and just look at the faces. And I mean, I care about you guys. And I want our church to become an increasingly irrational, crazy group of people who put the well-being of others above ourselves. I think there's room that we can grow in. There will always be room for us to grow in. I love how we do the fellowship time after service. The hospitality team does a great job providing food to create an environment where we can be a family together. My encouragement, my charge to us is that we would look around and think not what's best just for us, but open our eyes to people around us. There there are people that you don't know that might not be connected yet. Will you take a step towards them to get to know them? To sacrifice maybe your time to connect with others, uh, to love them? Will you extend yourself for others? And invite them into this loving, inclusive community. And then in our small groups, I mean, we know it's more than just a once a week meeting. But that we would dig into each other's lives and be honest and vulnerable with our struggles. And as people open up and share their brokenness, we would extend patience. We would be people of grace. We'd be proactive with kindness. We would treasure others. And then when we hit conflict, which, which is going to happen in your small group, that you wouldn't run away from it, but realize it's an opportunity to grow in patience, to grow as a community that's truly loving one another. And then I think about those outside the church, that we would remember what our lives were like before the love of God ambushed us and realize how much they're missing out on to not know the great love of God, that we would be broken and burdened to want to show them that our God is love. His love for them is unfailing and unseeking, unceasing. That they only can find this through a relationship with Christ. I'm so thankful that we have a God who's irrationally committed to us so that we can live in freedom to love others in the same way. What the world needs now is to see God's people rise up and be this community of love. And Jesus even said it himself that love will be the marking that set us apart as his followers. He said to his disciples, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The world needs us to live out these words of Jesus.
and love one another. To be rationally committed to each other so the world may find him, the true source of all love. I just want to invite you to uh, pause now, and we're going to enter into a time of prayer and reflection. And this is a great passage from Scripture, great words for us as a church. And I think there's many great stories of how we are loving one another. But my prayer is that we would not be content yet. But we would know that we are not done yet. But even starting today, we would extend ourselves for one another. Give up ourselves for each other to truly love one another. So why don't you just bow your head. Just take a minute to reflect on, on 1 Corinthians 13. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.